business. We do have quarterly business reviews with all of our distributors. We talk about opportunities. What are you hearing from the MSPs? Uh, sometimes they'll have a round table. They'll have a group of MSPs together. We'll talk to them about our product direction, our product roadmap. So they're providing enormous services for us besides just direct selling, fulfillment. They're also helping us with, uh, frankly, with our product roadmap on what they're seeing, what they're hearing, what are the features and functions we need, what's the priority of what we're developing, what do we need there. So we rely upon them as much or more than our own uh, direct sales force. Welcome to the Software Channel Partner Podcast, where you'll hear leaders of partner programs talk about their greatest challenges and most successful solutions. And now your host, Louis Gadima, the president of Revenue and Associates. Welcome to the Software Channel Partner Podcast, where we talk with leaders in software partner programs to learn about what's working today. I'm Louis Gadima, the president of Revenue and Associates where we help companies grow faster by helping their channel partners grow faster. Today, I'm talking with Tony Rummins, VP of Global Sales at BitTitan. Before BitTitan, Tony was VP of Global Sales at ProQuest, Senior Vice President of Software and Solution Sales in the Americas for Kofax, and for 10 years in several VP of Worldwide Software Sales roles at IBM. Tony, welcome to the podcast. Louis, great to be here. Please tell me, you know, fill in a bit more detail on your career path. Obviously, you love sales. What took you from company to company? What brought you to where you are today? Sure. Let me uh, let me just spend a minute. I could spend hours and hours, but I'm just going to spend <laughs> a minute on that. So my uh, my career, Louis, has probably been uh, I, I categorized in two halves. Uh, I would say not by des- uh, by choice or design, but I think it just ended up that way. The first half of my career uh, was with IBM. And it was a very traditional career path with IBM. A sales rep started in Chicago, had regional roles, America's roles, global roles, all in sales. Did a little bit of marketing, a little bit of services, but primarily in sales. Uh, but a very traditional way of an, I, of an IBM career at that point. From there, the second half of my career has been, I'll say, a little bit more exciting because I've been responsible in a number of different areas, several with IBM, then with Kofax, ProQuest, and now with BitTitan, where the company was either not doing as well as they'd like to do from a sales standpoint. They needed a bit of a turnaround or a lot of a turnaround situation to occur with their sales organization and the results. And one thing led to another, and I've gone to companies or departments in IBM, organizations IBM, that have uh, had a chance to turn around that business or if it wasn't doing as well, just accelerate the growth in it. And that's kind of been exciting for me because sometimes it's easy to identify the problems, harder to execute and change those. Uh, but that's really what I've been doing for the last 15 or 16 years. Uh, in fact, uh, surprisingly, it probably really started when I went to, to I, or was IBM and went to a role to have global responsibility for our channels business for part of our software business at IBM. Uh, at that point, it was information management software, and I was responsible for business development. But really, that term at that point was more channel sales, uh, channel development. Uh, and we were investing a lot in having ISVs utilize some of IBM's information management software, but getting very little in return. And they brought me in from a sales standpoint to figure out how to turn that. And from there, one thing's led to another in these other roles, including BitTitan uh, for the past year, 
and figuring out how we can do better. So two halves to a career, mostly all in sales, uh, global for the last 25 years. I've lived in Madrid, lived in Seoul, uh, worked in both of those, lived in seven different locations within the United States. I uh, had responsibility for Latin America for eight years. So a lot of different things globally. And it's been, uh, been a lot of fun across the board. Yeah, sounds very interesting. Uh, Barcelona and everything. And huge changes in the industry. You were originally on-premise and now it's all cloud. Uh, that is correct. Uh, that was I had one role at IBM called with enterprise content management software. And that was the first time I think I was introduced to that to say, wow, on-premise software sales are great. It was really driving the business, but it was the time to say, wait a minute, more and more customers are asking us for, do you have an offering in the cloud? Can you offer this to us on a, uh, at that point, people even called on a rental basis. Uh, mm-hmm. Software as a service wasn't even known as much there. And that was the first change. And then at, at Cofax, another company, same thing. Worked with Microsoft a lot. On the very first, we were on the very first Azure partners with Microsoft at the time. And then now the last two companies, ProQuest and now BitTitan, everything is cloud-based. Everything is uh, SaaS-based from those two companies. And that's all we offer. And it's growing, as you know, just uh, just significantly in most every area and every geography. So what does BitTitan do? Why don't you tell people the kind of software that you have and who do you sell to? Be glad to. We're a um, really a fully automated SaaS solution that uh, migrates data from one source to a destination in the cloud. So you kind of boil it down to say, we move data from a source to a destination and we do it securely, privately, and we do it quickly for a customer. Uh, that includes workloads that are migrated such as email, calendars, public folders, personal archives, but we really uh, migrate to a variety of different destinations in the cloud, Office 365, G- Google Suite, a number of things there, and from a number of sources. So it's, it's providing a faster, secure way to migrate data to the cloud for companies, institutions, educational institutions, governments, all industries from that standpoint. And who do you sell to? Uh, we do. We sell to really everyone. We're selling to B two B, but we're we're we are selling BitTitan as a company. Are selling to distributors and to oftentimes managed service providers. So to all channels. And Louis, that's about ninety percent of our business. About ten percent, we'll have individual companies or corporations come to us and say, "We'd like to use your tools, your SaaS-based tools, to do that migration." Can we buy that from you or can we acquire that? And we do that. But it's only about 10%. So distributors and our channel business, channels through MSPs, are really where we, what we sell to. And then they sell, they end up, their end user customers are everywhere from a Marriott to a, a Thyssen Krupp elevator company to University of Nebraska and everyone in between. Anyone that is trying to move, say, their exchange on-premise environment, for example, to the cloud, to Office 365, that would be a customer for our channel and therefore, if you will, a customer of ours as well. So you have some direct salespeople and you also sell online on your website, but you're saying that's only about 10% of your business and 90% of it is indirect? Yeah. So let me break that down for you. The three areas are correct. Online, 
through uh, indirect, if you will, and then direct. So online is about about eight, nine percent of our business today. And that is through our website, bittitan.com. And anyone could go there. Prices of the, uh, uh, the solutions or products are there. They can acquire that. Or obviously, as most websites, you can contact us for volume discounts and volume purchases, uh, a demo, a pilot, all the things that then where a website leads you to a indirect or direct sales organization. But online is about uh, 7-8% and growing. Indirect, which I'll call now our dis- distributors, our distribution channel, is about 35%, 30-35% of our business. And that is the fastest, uh, fastest growing part of our business of our three channels. And those distributors are uh, about 200 distributors today, uh, but a large growing part of our business. And about 60, 65% we'll call direct. But direct for us is going again through the channel. But in this case, a channel being a managed service provider, uh, an LSP, an MSP, one of those entities, and that they are selling to the end user. So they're acquiring our licenses, utilizing those licenses in a project to migrate someone from maybe also the software uh, that's being used on premise or uh, there's a merger occurring between two entities and they need to go to one tenant, one system. So that migration is also utilizing our tools. Again, part of the different workloads uh, that we offer for from uh, BitTitan. So three channels, you will direct uh, the indirect, which is really distributors, and then direct from our direct salespeople selling to, uh, to MSPs primarily, as I said, once in a while to a end-user customer. Okay, so some MSPs would get it through you and some would get it through a distributor? Exactly, exactly. Okay, so why that model? Why, uh, why, not, why direct and through distributors? Yeah, yeah it is, um, uh, it's as simple as why I think probably any company, Louis, is doing this today and has done it for years now, reach. Uh, we are a smaller company. We're not a startup any longer. Uh, we're a 12-year-old company. Ten years ago, our first product came out, but we are not a Fortune 100 company today. We're not a startup either. But when you have something successful, as we do with our called flagship product called Migration Wiz, when you have that, we do not have the reach today to get and have multiple salespeople in every country that we deal in. And we are in 187 countries sold to over 36,000 customers, but eight, 187 countries, that, that's more salespeople than we even have if we, we just had a, sell, a sales organization uh, as part of the company. So for that reason, it's reach. It is when you go through a distributor, uh, the ones we deal with, uh, some we have some very major players, the Ingrams, the Tech Datas, uh, the Cynixes, those are major players as distributors for us and many more. But when we go to them, we educate their sales team. They have oftentimes salespeople within those enterprises selling, say, Microsoft software that they want to migrate a customer from an on-premise Microsoft system exchange to uh, Office 365 for Microsoft. We're, we're educating them as well. So within those organizations, they've got different 
Some have a straightforward group of salespeople that sell and they sell everything. And others are so large, they differentiate their sales force within an Ingram, for example. And we will actually train and educate, enable them. And all of a sudden, we now have multiplied by 10, 50, 100 times our sales capability in a particular country. Uh, I'll give you one example, Louis, that Australia. Australia today, we do not have a salesperson, believe it or not, in Australia. That is about to change, but we do not have a salesperson in Australia. But we did over a million dollars of software, uh, of of solution sales, if you will, a bit time software there, and it is growing. And we are investing there as well as we are in many countries, but we're investing there. But it's the distributor, it's the channel, it's the indirect way with our distributors there that really drive our business and have done so well for us. We think we can grow a lot. And the growth rates, as long as I've been here, uh, actually certainly prove that out. Again, fastest growing part of our business is that channel versus direct or versus online. On your website, you have a page where you list some uh, distributors, but it sounds like that's really the tip of the uh, iceberg because there's only uh, like two dozen or so listed. But you said there's actually it's actually more like 200 around the world. That is that is correct. Uh, some are very small. Uh, we're adding distributors from time to time. Uh, but those three I mentioned before, I've been with us for some time or the largest. But then you have a distributor, say, in the UK, like a West Coast. Uh, they act as a distributor. They also provide services directly, a little bit like an MSP, but they are a distributor as well. So West Coast would be in that type of era, in that area. Aero uh, also, uh, Pax8, uh, all these are distributors for us, and then smaller ones in different countries as we've uh, as we've grown. So when you say that the channel, the dis- distributor channel is growing the fastest for you, that's that's organic growth. That's not really because you're adding that many more distributors, but because uh, the organic growth in that channel is so much stronger. It is. I, I would say it's probably 90 percent organic growth a company before I got here. And hopefully while I've been here, I have done a very good, a very good job of working with the channel, working with the distributors, uh, realizing that was the way they're going to go grow quickly early on. And they did that. And we've built up, I think, some credibility in how we support the distributors. Uh, and they have been with us for some time. We'll find from time to time, especially as we may go into one country, smaller country, uh, maybe one of the ASEAN countries we haven't been there before, and pick up a new distributor. But for the most part, uh, we have some very powerful, successful distributors from Japan to Australia, obviously in Europe, uh, and certainly in the United States and in China now that we go to, and they are really driving our business for us. So tell me more about that. If you have, if you're a software company and you want to, and you're selling through distributors and you want to really make that channel rock, like, like it is for BitTitan, what are some of the things that you're doing that are, are so effective in growing the organic sales through distributors? Yeah, I think there are two or three things, Louis, that um, have made it successful for us. First, you do have to have a product, a solution, and clearly articulate the benefits of it, why it's different than others in the marketplace, and how their salespeople then can sell to their uh, next channel layer, if you will, to their MSPs, how they can do that. So you've got to be very clear on what you're selling and why, 
and the benefits and why it's priced as it is and differentiating the market for that distributor. I think uh, second, you've really got to be thorough in the training and enablement for a distributor. They, as a lot of companies, as we and others, will have turnover of employees, turnover of salespeople. So it's a constant training enablement, not just because of turnover, but because we have new products, we have new features and functions. We're going to introduce that. Some are very major, some are minor, but we want to be sure the salespeople that are selling BitTitan to distributor know about that, know about the current training enablement we have. And it's really, really important that we continue to do that. I'll be glad to talk about how we do that training enablement in a minute as well. And then third, the reason I think we're successful with them is you have to be responsive. We have to be responsive with the salesperson, the technical salesperson, and customer support. Those three things have to be equally supportive. If there's a technical issue of why can this work for a particular customer, a technical salesperson, which is part of our sales organization, is also working with that distributor. But a salesperson has to be responsive on uh, pricing and quotes, uh, renegotiating contracts, what the prices should be, being sure the right enablement is there and issues. If there is a more serious customer issue, something's being used that is creating some problem, they may actually be involved to follow up, even though we've got a great customer support organization that will take the lead and follow that up. But if you have a channel sales specialist, we call that as your point of contact, that person may be involved if the issue is big enough for that for that uh, distributor, that person can be involved. So if you've got the right product and it's clear and articulated well, and we're doing the right training, we're responsive. Those three things I think has made us successful uh, with the distributors and why we grow. And sometimes, Louie, in fact, we're, we have a distributor of a, of a tech data in Europe, but tech data may be somewhere else in the world that we haven't had much of a relationship with. And we may expand even in those distributors, but it's still the same uh, distributor. Again, most of our business being organic through that channel, through, uh, through distributors. Uh, so it's, it's working with them and growing our, uh, our footprint with their customers, with their MSPs uh, kind of made us successful, I think. And you have channel managers too, I, I saw. So they work with the distributors? That's correct. So it was a, um, I think it was a pretty major investment. Uh, I came on board, uh, we were talking earlier, I came on board a year ago. And within a couple months, I realized that we really did have an opportunity in our distribution business with some very big players to get to that reach I mentioned a, a minute ago. And by July of last year, I changed and added to our sales organization, specifically in the channel sales. And when I say channel sales, really referring to distributors in this case. And what we did was we had one individual that was responsible for the Americas for our distributors, I promoted him actually well up in the organization to be a director, to be a sales director. With that, he replaced himself and we added in Europe to double from one to two, but two channel sales specialists there and had someone that was a channel sales specialist already in Singapore working with Asia. So dedicated headcount, uh, we had those from a sales standpoint we now had those five individuals, but supporting them, we also added one dedicated technical sales specialist, but they also have ability to go to our other 
five technical sales specialists they can call on. And that was a dedicated group. We also then took from those channel sales managers. We also have the regular account managers. We have people called solution sales specialists. They also work with distributors because oftentimes there's opportunities that may come into us. We find out and ask the question, do you already have a distributor working with? And they say, yes, but I'd like to know more about your product, et cetera. We will do that uh, from direct standpoint, but then move that opportunity over to one of the distributors, either the one they indicated, or maybe give it to three distributors for them to look at and see if they could close the deal. So dedicated resources we have, and then we have the rest of the sales team that work with distributors because they're passing opportunities through our distributors. Uh, oftentimes, it could be smaller opportunities, several hundred dollars or several thousand dollars, but those move over. And the distributor is very adept at working those quickly, uh, efficiently, uh, and productively uh, for them and for us. And that's one of the reasons I think we have grown. We've got more and more partners are growing strong double digits and number of new partners that work with us. Those new partners can come through a distributor. They may be MSPs coming directly to us, but many of those come through the distributor. So last comment there, when the distributor has their set of customers, if you will, their channel, if you will, that is what they are working on hard to get more channel partners that work with them. And that's where we pick up new partners if you will, indirectly through the distributor. But that's a big, big growth area for us. And that's what's been producing our results in that channel. So since your software, everybody who buys your software, they're going to end up registering with you. They're going to use it through BitTitan ultimately. So when you're passing on opportunities to distributors, you can, can you see this all the way through the pipeline? You can see how many of uh, whether those are closing or not, or where they are in the pipeline? Yeah. Do you have any kind of shared CRM or, or anything of that sort? Good, good question. No, and I'm not sure we are going to do that. And I'll tell you why. We rely on distributors and they then rely on their channel and then obviously to the end user customer that's buying. And today, today, most distributors have their relationship with their MSPs and obviously then with their customers, but with their MSPs. And that is where that relationship is going to stay, Louis. And we are thankful that they have those relationships. And I said, and it's growing in terms of number. It's growing in terms of their ability to support those MSPs. So what happens when the transaction occurs and a distributor gets an order from their MSP that via the systems that are tied in between the distributor and BitTitan, that can be automated. So automatically the distributor processes the order after they've gotten a PO from the MSP, processes the order. That goes directly through their system to our systems. That order is processed. There is no salesperson involved on our end involved in that. And what just happens is a, call a coupon code, if you will, a coupon code then is issued through the distributor to that MSP for 10 licenses, for example, kind of move a very small enterprise, 10 uh, licenses, 10 seats, 10 users, again, as an example, from Exchange, Microsoft's Exchange on-prem to the cloud Office 365. That coupon code then is there. When the MSP now is ready to do the services and do the migration for that end user customer, they then take that coupon code 
and then seat by seat or user by user, they will then go through those 10 licenses they're entitled to. Once they have migrated those customer, that customer over, that coupon code, if you will, has expired, and that is it for that transaction. So we don't get involved. We bit tighten our direct sales people do not get involved with the transaction or channel sales specialist also for us does not get involved with that transaction because the distributor is efficient in the way they're working and our systems, the APIs we have linked up with the distributor is that successful that we don't need to get involved. And that's why it makes it a great productive channel for us. Uh, and it's been working uh, working quite well. So you know the MSP that's using those licenses, but you don't know the end company that they're moving, that they're migrating, and it, it doesn't really matter to you? You know, it would be great. Uh, we have we have asked, and there's the capability to know the MSP that's using it and even the end user customer. We've got that ability in our system to log that. But at this point, sometimes we know, sometimes we don't. It's not that essential. We're not going to go directly to an end user customer, look for a second project. We want that MSP to do it. We're not even going to go to the MSP and say, do you need more help or more support? We are relying greatly on the distributor uh, to do that. And when we rely on the distributor, we want them to provide that kind of service, that kind of support directly to the MSP. And if they do that, then I think that has been the best way for us to sell and so we haven't required it. Sometimes they provide that. Sometimes they don't. We're not asking for it any further at this point. And it's, and it's growing for us. We do have quarterly business reviews with all of our distributors. We talk about opportunities. What are you hearing from the MSPs? Uh, sometimes they'll have a round table. They'll have a group of MSPs together. We'll talk to them about our product direction, our product roadmap. So they're providing enormous services for us besides just direct selling, fulfillment. They're also helping us with, uh, frankly, with our product roadmap on what they're seeing, what they're hearing, what are the features and functions we need, what's the priority of what we're developing, what do we need there? So we rely upon them as much or more than our own uh, direct sales force. So it sounds like you have a very different relationship with the customer depending on whether they buy direct from you or through your website or if it goes through the channel. We do. If it is directly on the website, that is a website, an individual, a customer, uh, we're not involved except for the website unless they would like for us to be involved and they'd like to contact us and use the contact us form. That is them and our website. The channel is through a distributor, that and then through the MSP. Again, we are there, our channel sales managers, channel sales specialists, they're there to support the distributor and what they need, the education enablement they need, maybe a different kind of contractual arrangement, more education for the MSPs directly, potentially, all sorts of things there. We're there to support them, but not down to the end user. Over our direct sales force, as I said, sometimes maybe a, a company will come to us direct and we have that direct relationship. And then there are many MSPs on their own. They don't go through a distributor. Uh, they will come to us direct. At that point, we might know that uh, oftentimes then we would know the end user customer, uh, but not always, but more times than not we would. So we may have a relationship with both parties at that point. One, Louis, one of our largest partners is a Microsoft. So Microsoft, as they're trying to do their migrations, utilizing Microsoft Consulting Services or their fast track centers, they will come to us. They will have the services. They'll have the software, obviously. They're the ones driving it. In that case, 
they often do involve us in the uh, in the discussion with end user customer because they want the customer to say, wait a minute, where's my, you know, tell me where my data is going to be. Are you making copies of it? Is it in flight? Does it ever get resided on another server somewhere? We are the ones that our partners, Microsoft distributors, channels, they will come to us and say, hey, could you join me on this call and just explain how this works when you migrate from a source to destination? Uh, and we will do that. And so customers feel much more comfortable than by hearing from the person, the tool vendor that's providing the migration, they come and listen to, uh, to us and enjoy, involve us on the call. So it sounds like the customer experience is very different depending on the channel. Uh, it is. It is. The customer experience, oftentimes the end user customer experience, they may not even know that a bit Titan was involved. There's tools called migration was involved. They aren't even sure how it was done. Most of the MSPs, uh, which is really the vast majority who's doing the services, they're saying, I'm going to take care of it for you. I'm going to do the migration. I'm going to do it within this pound of time. Here's where your data is going to be. It's secure. It's private. You're not going to have to worry about it. And we're going to, what do you want to move? We want to move our mailboxes, our calendars, and our personal archives. Great. Uh, at some point, maybe I want to move Teams, Teams and Microsoft, Teams to Teams migration. Whatever it is, they're doing it. They'll say, and let's say the price is X, that's it. The end user may not know they're ever utilizing BitTitan migration with software to do that. Certainly the MSP does very well, and they know our tools, and they know for that customer, we could be the best solution. We've done it before in their industry. We do it quickly. We do it all SaaS-based. That's kind of differentiator for us. We don't ever install any other equipment on-premise. We don't have any of our consultants because we don't have consultants to go out and have to consult on the project. It's all SaaS-based, all done over the cloud. And so they like that for us. That's why I think distributors and MSPs come to us because we can do it anywhere around the world. No one has to fly anywhere. You don't have to ship hardware anywhere. It's all SaaS-based. We can get you up and running over a weekend, in many cases, with some of the uh, some of the customers. So the user experience can be, uh, be very different. MSPs, it would... Uh, uh, maybe come back to the distributor. If there's a customer support issue, then the MSP is oftentimes on the front end of that. That would be very similar across the different channels, direct through a distributor, uh, maybe online. They're coming into one customer experience, customer support organization, and we are then triaging, figuring out the issue, and then going through the different levels of support to solve the customer's problem. That would be similar. But the initial selling aspect, it could be different depending upon the channel. Yeah, so the company that's being migrated, whose data is being migrated, they don't care. The MSP has a tool and it gets the job done. And that's exactly right. And they, and they like the idea that, how can you do this? I don't have to be here to let someone in, to put equipment in, to migrate off to a, where you're going to store the data temporarily and move it on to the cloud. No, we don't have to do any of that. So they, they like that capability. MSPs like selling that. And the customers love it to say, wow, all we need to do is manage a project. We don't need to manage equipment and other software and all this other stuff. You guys can do that all through the cloud. The answer is yes. And, uh, and the customers and, and the managed service providers do like that a lot. So have you looked at how the cost of sale compares by channel? We have. Uh, we're looking at that all the time. It's, uh, you know, without giving, you know, numbers, obviously, but how, how does indirect compare to online or, or direct? Yeah, online is the most 
let's say it's the, the most profitable channel of the three, oftentimes those purchases are of, are smaller value and they are uh, always, really almost always smaller than the indirect or the direct channels. Uh, someone needs an additional three licenses. They want 20 licenses. Uh, I need it now. I did not acquire it before. I'm going to try to utilize this. They'll go online. That, from a profitability standpoint, is the most profitable because it's not a volume of any any size. The next most profitable is actually the distributor, which may be a little surprise. And then our direct channel would be the third most profitable of the three channels. The distributor is very profitable for us. The margins we provide them, we provide the education and training. The customer support comes back. Uh, initial level one type questions come back through the distributor. We get very, very few Louis questions or calls or tickets or requests from distributors into BitTitan. They have their own structure. They handle those questions and they do it usually very well. So we have a very small number of requests from our distributors into BitTitan. That makes that channel profitable for us. And then third being the direct sell, direct salespeople uh, that are working directly with uh, MSPs and sometimes end user customers. So it's a very, it's a distributors are very profitable for us and online is profitable. But again, only so many opportunities I think will go through online because this is still a technical solution, technical thing that if you're not doing this every day and a new MSP maybe has never used our, utilized our tool, certainly, and therefore they may have questions. And so they say, now nah, I want to talk to some salesperson that could get me associated with a technical sales. I got some question that then goes from online into a distributor or channel or over our salesperson. So all of them are profitable, but you're right. Some are more profitable than others. Well, it doesn't surprise me. I've heard that a lot, that the channel is, has better margins than direct. So it, it's not surprising to hear that from you. And it sounds like you're not really pushing people to the website, to online. You know, that happens and you pick up those sales along the way. So there's not really a, a big marketing push along those lines. But what about the kinds of marketing and other programs like co-marketing or MDFs or SPIFs? What kind of programs do you have with the distributors and, and their partners? Yeah. So with the distributor, obviously it depends upon the distributor. It also depends upon the geography that a distributor would be because they see value in some, uh, maybe some incentives versus others. We've tried a variety of things and I'm not sure we found exactly the, the perfect uh, sets of programs. The one without question uh, that we work with the distributors on are quarterly business reviews. They need to know where we're headed, where our products are, and we need to resolve any problems that are there. And then any maybe larger opportunities, we need to help with them directly. So the QBRs, a very formal kind of process, we work with them. Uh, from a marketing standpoint, we may partner with them to talk about working and finding new partners. So if you find new partners that have never done business with BitTitan, uh, we may provide a SPIF, an incentive, an MDF related to, to that. We've tried it in most of the geographies. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it, it, it doesn't work as well. Uh, I'm, I'm a believer. I'm not sure everybody, even in the organization, but I'm a believer that you want to do this to set the goal, set the very clear goal if there is for a distributor, and then let them figure out how they accomplish that with what sets of salespeople, 
It could be a, a number of orders. It could be a number of new partners. It could be frequency of sales. So maybe you've got 50 MSPs that work with you, but maybe 40 of those have not transacted with you for BitTide in the last six months. So let's do something related to uh, getting those people back, looking at us, considering us, and there may be some incentive related to that. So we're really trying to be very targeted as to what we do with the particular distributor. Uh, and again, geographically, then it's translation related to where that may be in the world. That's important for them. Uh, the right sales, marketing materials, we provide that. So it, it depends upon the distributor, what kind of program we have, but we stay in communication. That's why we have and increased our channel sales managers uh, significantly nine months ago. Uh, so we could start doing that and figuring out what we need to do for them to help them. After that, they're good. They're really good. And they take it and run with it so long as we've done our homework and we've trained them well. We've trained them, been, been very clear, provided a great value proposition for them, emphasized that, maybe tested them, provided testing, if you will, and distributors want to do that, provide testing of their employees that they know what Bit Titan is and can sell it. And if they can, then it works uh, works very well from that standpoint. Uh, so I think we've done uh, done pretty well in that that uh, that area to keep the ball rolling to to get some of the new partners and increase the frequency of sales as well. Jay McBain, who's a channel analyst for Forrester, uh, was on the podcast recently, and he said he thought that channels had changed more in the last eighteen months than in the previous thirty or forty years. He thought that channels were undergoing uh, a huge transformation. Are, are you seeing that? Is that affecting your business at BitTitan? Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to compare It's interesting. Jay said that I'm going to compare it to 15 years ago. Cause that's, I think I mentioned to you, that's where I was running the, the channels business as ISVs and SIs and other, other channel players there for IBM for one of their, one of the segments of software they're selling. And I would compare, and that was 15 years ago. And I compare it to what I've seen since I've been, since I started to now, uh, it is a completely different business. What has transpired uh, in the last 18 months, I'll go to currency, in the last 18 months is one of the most important things, Louis. Yeah, you've got to have a product. Yes, you've got to have communication with partners, but you need to have the systems, the back-end systems working very well. The APIs there so you can process orders, you can inquire about products, you can get the right price list, you can sell off a, of a current price list, current discounted volume price list. All of that needs to be there. It's not a matter of any handbooks or calling up someone for a quote or involving a salesperson a bit tighten. If you don't have the right technical connection to process orders to make that work, then you're behind. You're not going to be a partner. You're going to suffer greatly. And we have spent a lot of our resources on being sure we've got that. We onboard, that's part of the onboarding process with any new partner. Uh, we've finished off, all, certainly we've had the major partners that have onboarded with us that way for quite some time, but any new partner, any new distributors come on, we're connecting them so it makes it seamless and we just do our job in terms of education, training, maybe new contracts, that type of thing, and we turn them loose. And then everything, if you will, the back office works efficiently and if we didn't have that working, they just don't do business with us. Cloud Blue is one of those we've just, in the last uh, nine months, signed up through through Ingram. That is going to provide tremendous opportunity for us 
because of Cloud Blue's reach through Ingram to their partners, specifically uh, the telcos, telecommunication companies. And that is a significant way to support those partners. That, to Jay's point, that was not there 18 months ago. If it was, it was rudimentary, maybe one country, maybe only the Americas, whatever it may be. Uh, that has significantly changed, I'm sure, in 18 months. It has for us in the last year. Yeah, he also mentions uh, marketplaces. Uh, I know Ingram has a big marketplace and AWS and others. Azure has one, you know, that more and more software is being sold through uh, marketplaces and, and, you know, with no human interaction at all. Yeah, for for us, um, we don't see that uh, as a significant part of our, let's say, opportunity or revenue stream today, because with a technical sell as a tool, a SaaS-based tool to do migration, I'm not so sure that a the marketplace is, it's available, it's available to MSP, certainly they do that, but I think there's a little more discussion, interaction, what about this that occurs than having a uh, office suite available and everyone wants email and a PowerPoint kind of um, graphics tool. That could, I think the marketplace takes over there. For us, either they're going to go to online through the website to do that, or I think they're going to transact something with uh, someone that's going to tell them, how does this tool work? Why does it work that way? And there's going to be some discussion. So I don't think it's as, as easy as putting up your store shelf on a marketplace and then saying, oh, I want that SaaS-based tool from BitTitan. That hasn't been a big, uh, large part of our business. It's available, but I think there's more more discussion for the particular projects that these MSPs are engaging in than, uh, than utilizing the marketplace at this point. Maybe for follow-up sales, maybe the first time they use it, they, they need a lot more, have a lot more questions, but after they've used it once or twice, then they might be more comfortable just going to the marketplace and, and buying it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they do that. And we also yeah. have repeat sales through online doing that as well. So yes, through the distributor and online. Absolutely. Once the pilot's done or they've done it once, I like that. And they'll go back for the second, third, fourth project. And they may, if the project's similar, may not involve really anybody, touch touch any human, and they'll just go back in order because MSP has that type of relationship uh, with the distributor for us. So what should I have asked you that I didn't? What keeps you up at night? You know, one, one thing prior that uh, just as different folks will listen to your uh, your podcast here, one thing that I, uh, I learned over the years and uh, with the number of years in sales that I have and working with the channels, uh, I've got uh, I've got failures and I've got successes. I certainly have the scars from uh, from prior times. And one of those scars that I have avoided here, and I've done it very specifically, and I've had discussions with finance and others on this, is channel conflict. And we have taken great lengths to avoid channel conflict at BitTitan. And we do that, Louie, because, again, I've seen it before that if you tell a salesperson, this is how you're going to get paid, they are going to go optimize their activity to get every transaction in they can according to that incentive plan. And if that then says, I'm not interested in a distributor, I'm not interested in online, I'm not interested in anybody but myself, I've got to do it because that's how these, these people of this company are going to pay me, it can create channel conflict. And I've done that before, been there, done that. So a bit tighten. I want to be sure your listeners maybe know from a, from a conflict standpoint, 
it ended up being fairly easy for us. So we have, as I mentioned before, we may find opportunities. We want to pass those to a distributor. Distributor may have something that's very complex, large opportunity. They need help with it. They will call their local sales director or salesperson, account manager, and work with us. And we do that because we put an incentive plan in place that allows that to occur. So we are paying on the transactions of our salespersons involved, but the transaction ends up with the distributor or the distributor fulfills it. Uh, in that case, not a problem. That's good stuff. That's good. And we pay the salesperson for that. So it's not where they've got to keep it from, from origination of opportunity identification all the way through closure. They can pass that distributor. They can go work on another opportunity. And it's pretty easy via, via not to get too detailed in incentive plans, but a relative sales plan based off of a quota, just put the right quota in place and you can accommodate that without paying twice on every transaction. You don't have to do that, but you set the quotas correctly. You set an incentive plan correctly that you eliminate, I think, the channel conflict that some organizations have. It again, it contributes to why that channel for us, the distributors, are 35% or so of our business growing the fastest of our business because our salespeople realize if the distributor can take the opportunity, take, take that transaction and they can close that transaction, that salesperson go work on, you know, transaction five times, 10 times that while the distributor is handling the run rate, the small transactions that will still make up, you know, 35, 25%, 40% of their business and it's a good working relationship that way. So maybe that w would be one thing I would add to the discussion we've had uh, had today would be, uh, be probably an important part of that. Yeah, and I've actually, that's interesting that you mentioned that because I've actually heard that from a few other companies too, that they're really getting their incentives and, and uh, commission structures and so forth right for their sales team to work with the channel and to know that they're going to get compensated however it closes so they're, they're not incenting channel conflict, but they're incenting channel cooperation. Correct. That's right. That makes a lot of sense. So, you know, we were talking about how rapidly uh, the business world is changing and the, the channels. So how do you keep up? Are there particular podcasts or blogs or events, websites, books, uh, other ways that you're keeping up with the industry? You know, I via the via the travel. I tell you what I do. I uh, I do travel a lot. There are many many conferences I go to, and in our industry, the business I'm in now, conferences actually are very very helpful for us. Not just for contacts and leads, and to be sure people know about our products, but I learn. I learn extensively at these conferences. Microsoft has their big uh, called Inspire event in July in Las Vegas. I will. Obviously, listen to customers there, but I will go around to other booths. Some are adjunct and sell with us. I learn what they're doing, what's new. I will hear from customers there as to what we don't have, that type of thing. But I spend a lot of time with them. I spend a lot of time with Microsoft. Is I spend most of my most of my month in the Seattle area. Our offices headquarters in Bellevue. We're 13 miles from Redmond headquarters for uh, Microsoft. I'm up there a lot. Uh, so between Inspires, Microsoft's Ignite, uh, other conferences that are put on Google Next, which we ha which was uh, on the West Coast about mm, about a month ago now, uh, I will spend a lot of time there. I find I learn more by talking to my 
my distributors at these conferences, then user customers, uh, looking at some of the vendors, talk to them sometimes. I'm in round tables with them. We sit and I listen there. Uh, so I'm not spending as much time on podcast and other medium at this point because uh, I'm still learning. I, I love to learn that way directly. And I ask a lot of questions. Every one of my sales all hands call, I will have a, uh, a customer or an MSP, a distributor on, and we have a fireside chat and interview. I'm asking them questions, things I want to know, things I think the sales team should know. I want our sales team to know it. And so I'm constantly having them. We had a global sales meeting in January. I had six different customers, distributors, channels, uh, channel uh, distributor there. Uh, we'll talk to them. So I'm learning that way, Louie. It's probably not the most most logically put together way I learn, but it keeps me up to date on what's new, what I need our product development organization to build, what's the priorities we should have, uh, where opportunities are. Uh, I got back about three weeks ago from Asia. I was in Tokyo and in Singapore. What opportunity we've got over there. And we just scratch the surface in a country like Japan. Uh, so I see a lot of opportunities there. And we do most everything through two distributors in Japan at this point. We're looking at a third distributor, but we do most of our business through a distributor there. So distributors there. So I learn a lot from them. So that's what's keeping me up. And I think I get a good cross-section uh, talking to our distributors and other channel uh, partners and end-user customers as well. No, that sounds like a great way. Uh, nothing better than uh, being out there talking to your customers and partners. Does BitTitan have a, a conference of its own? We did apparently, let's see, this is 2019. So in 2017, we did. Uh, it had pretty good attendance, but I, I, we decided in 2018, by the time I came on board uh, a year ago this time, uh, they looked at it, tried to decide what should we do. And we decided at that point, a, a little bit maybe my, my, my input as well, we decided to invest more in our partner conferences than our own. So we decided, no, we aren't going to do that. Uh, so we have not done that and we don't do that. But now we're able to, you know, display and be involved in more more of our partner conferences. There's always going to be more than we can be involved in. Uh, sometimes a very small presence, sometimes a major presence. We like to keep growing that presence of these conferences. So that's where we spend our resources when it comes to, if you will, conferences. And uh, we just thought that'd be a better a better use of our funds to kind of support our partners. So that's what we've done. Okay. So how can people contact you? LinkedIn, anybody can look. I'm only, I think, yeah, maybe the only Tony Rummins uh, on LinkedIn. Send me an invitation there. I'd love to connect with anybody there. Tony.Rummins2 at gmail.com. Uh, it's Tony, T-O-N-Y, and my last name, R-U-M-M-A-N-S, number two at gmail.com. But I would say LinkedIn is always the best. Uh, my email address is in LinkedIn profile. Uh, that is uh, the best way. And then from there, phones and text and uh, anything else is always available, but uh, that'd probably be the best way to get hold of me. All right, great. And I'll put that into the show notes. Those will be on um, our website, revenueassociates.biz slash podcast. So thank you very much, Tony, for uh, joining us today. Louis, thank you. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Great questions. And I uh, uh, hope I've uh, informed a little bit more about BitTitan and your viewers as to what we're doing in the channel and with our distributors. So if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or another app, and you found the podcast uh, as interesting and useful as I did, please leave a review. That will help other people learn about the podcast too. Thanks for listening to the Software Channel Partner Podcast, 
And please subscribe and listen to future episodes.